Well, good morning, everyone. You're all thrown off because we didn't have meet and greet. <laughs> I know. We're all thrown off. Meet and greet's over. Sermon. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> well, last week, Garrett began a new series on the book of Jude, uh, which includes the final benediction in Scripture, and he's going to be preaching on that in the next couple of weeks. But today, we're actually going to be looking at another benediction in Scripture. It's actually the first and oldest benediction in the Bible. It's known as the Aaronic benediction, after the name of Moses' brother Aaron, who was a high priest. It's actually still a prayer that's prayed regularly in Jewish synagogues today. Now, the word benediction means a good word. And I love what Tim Keller has to say about benedictions. He reminds us that they are not just an afterthought. He explains that benedictions at the conclusion of a service is not merely a prefunctory few words while a congregation decides, oh, well, the service is over, I'm going to grab my handbag, and I'm going to get ready to leave. He says, no, this is a good word and a reminder of God's rich blessings that he bestows upon us, and that once we grasp the contents of benedictions, they have the capacity to reshape our lives. So this morning, as we take a closer look at number six, my hope is that this would be more than just an afterthought, but that our lives would be reshaped and reorientated as a result of being in the Word of God in this benediction. Numbers 6, verses 22 to 26, we read, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, says the Lord, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, indeed, thanks be to God. This is a good word from the Lord that I hope to unpack for us this morning. We'll be mainly focusing on verses 25 and 26. The Lord make his face shine on you, and the Lord turn his countenance towards you. Now, in most English translations, we see these two words, the words face and countenance, but it's the same Hebrew word for both. It's the word paneh. And it's understandable if we think about it why we'd have two different English words. The Hebrew language is actually rich in meaning, and often we need more than one English word to understand the depth of a Hebrew word. For example, the word shalom, it's a greeting, it also means wholeness, and of course we know it as the word peace. So it is with this Hebrew word paneh, which is multifaceted and rich in meaning, as we're about to see. Paneh is found a whopping 654 times in the Old Testament, and it's dispersed throughout the Tanakh. Now, let me point out something really important that I don't want you to miss. In Hebrew, when we see this word paneh, or face, it's not simply describing two eyes and nose and a mouth, but rather the whole of a person's attentions or inclinations. So paneh, or face, is not merely this face of ours, our literal face, but the whole of a person's intentions or inclinations. It's a posture. 
which I'm guessing is why when we see the phrase of face, that it says God turns his face. He turns, it's a posture, God turns his face towards us. It's a movement of our entire body towards something. So when we see this anthropomorphic language of God turning his face towards us, this is not mere quick glimpse that God takes on us for a split second. To turn actually means that God bends towards us. He inclines himself towards us. We are the focus of God's full attention. And I want to suggest this morning that in the moment in which the Lord looks upon us and we see him looking on us, his face turning towards us, we become the recipients of the Lord's presence, the Lord's power, and the Lord's pleasure. Again, when God looks upon us and turns his face towards us, we become the recipients of his presence, power, and pleasure. Let's begin by taking a look at the Lord's presence. And I just have to say, we did not coordinate. Where is, where is Paul? Paul? Paul, you and I did not coordinate, but the songs from this morning are like spot on. Let us beware of the presence of the Lord, right? Let us come into the presence of the Lord. Well, let's start by looking at this presence that we have. We get to be in the presence of God, and God looks upon us. We have God's presence looking at us. The Hebrew language actually uses God's face and his presence interchangeably. In Exodus 33, verse 14, we see an example of this. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. It's the same Hebrew word, pane. So it could just as well say, my face will go with you, and I will give you rest. So when God says to Moses, my presence will go with you, he's making a promise. The promise that God is going to be with Moses and the people of Israel through the wilderness wanderings. The context of this passage is, in fact, at the start of Israel's 40-year wilderness wanderings. And that was definitely not God being with them in a temporal fashion. Do you remember God was with the people of Israel for that entire time? Do you remember that God's presence went before them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? So, friends, the same is true for us. When God turns his face, his posture towards us, it is a strong promise that God will accompany you and you and you and me. God is with us, and nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from God's love and God's presence. But there's more. When God turns his face towards us, we also become the recipients of God's power. In Deuteronomy 4 verse 37, we see this. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great power. By his presence and his great power. So when Moses tells the people of God, the, the Israelites, uh, that they are coming out of the Red Sea and into a land promised by them, he says, I am going to deliver you with my presence, but also with great power. This combination of God's presence and his power is seen elsewhere in Scripture. It's actually in a lot of different places. One example is Psalm 44, verse 3. For it is not by their sword that they took the land. Their arm did not bring them victory. It was by your right hand 
your arm, God, and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. God's right hand, whenever we see a picture of God's right hand written in Scripture, it is always a declarative nature of God reaching out in history and delivering his people with power. When God delivered the nation of Israel from Pharaoh and brought them through the Red Sea to the land he promised, that land flowing with milk and honey, over and over in Scripture, God's power is declared through his deliverance and described as being delivered through God's mighty hand and his outstretched arm. And yes, as with Moses, when God turns his face towards us, we become the recipients of the hand of God's, God's power. Now, God's power is displayed in many different forms. It can be that God displays his power through the parting of the Red Sea. It can be that God displays his power through the deliverance of our sin from bondage into God's promises when we are spiritually delivered. But friends, God's power is also displayed to us through a myriad of small ways in which the right hand of God is there for us. In scriptures, there are many instances of God's power being experienced through a gentle whisper. Power need not be loud, but power is always impactful. Just recently, I was going through a really hard time, and I was sitting with a friend, and even though it was my friend speaking to me, and I knew that well, I did receive it as a word from the Lord. It was an impactful word that she had for me that I needed to hear. And even though it was my friend's face before me and it was her voice, I received it as the gentle voice of God speaking to me. And my encouragement to you, friends, is that we should be attentive to those times when God shows up with a gift of his presence and his power in our everyday lives. But thirdly, and most importantly, we are the recipients of the Lord's pleasure, his favor. In verse 25, we read, the Lord make his face shine on you. Have you ever stopped to wonder what that might be? What does it mean the Lord's face shines on us? Is it that God's face shines in us through this beam, this lightning beam, uh, this radiant beam of light from heaven that comes down on each and every one of us? Is that what it means for God's face to shine on us? Would you believe me if I told you the meaning of God's face to shine upon us is one of the most simple words? It's the word smile. To smile on us. Yes, smile. When God's face shines on you and I, it's the idea that God smiles on us. And this act of God smiling on us is nothing than God's fullest expression of his favor and his pleasure on each and every one of us. And commentators would mostly agree that this is the main idea of this benediction in number six. We are the recipients of God's incredible favor. He loves us. He loves us. And I was writing this part of my sermon. I was sitting in a coffee shop and wondering, how do I portray this incredible picture of God's favor 
and the life-changing impact that can have in each and one, uh, each and every one of our lives, if we can just comprehend God's favor and God's pleasure. What does that even look like? How do I help you understand? Well, as I was thinking about that, I was looking up, and right before me were two first-time parents with an adorable baby. And I actually caught a glimpse of God doting and smiling on each one of us. Right there, I understood what it might look like for God to smile on you and I. I mean, these parents were completely smitten. They were doting on this little baby at Tate's like the world around them had stopped. In fact, I could probably have taken a picture of them to show you, but I, 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 I thought better of that. <laughs> but it did look something like this. And I want us to pause for a moment and contemplate this idea of God, our Heavenly Father, smiling on us, looking at us in delight and complete favor with these eyes fixed on us in pure adoration and pleasure. And if you remember nothing else from this morning, I want to solidify in your hearts and minds God's absolute pleasure in you. Yes, you, his beloved. He loves you. He delights in you. And Zephaniah actually says God sings. He rejoices over us with singing. It says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. What an incredible picture of the Lord's favor. Friends, understand this today. God cannot take his eyes off of you. You are his beloved, his beloved. And nothing can separate us from his love. And like Moses, we need to hear Truly hear God say to us, I know you by name, and you have found favor. You have found pleasure with me. You matter. Friends, you matter to God. Capiche? <laughs> Got it. Now, what's actually interesting about this passage in Exodus 33, where God says, I know you by name and you found favor with me, is that even though Moses had found favor with God in this passage, the scripture actually goes on to say, to Mo, where God says to Moses, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face and live. So wait a moment. Can we or can we not see God's face? Why did Moses have favor from God and couldn't see his face? And why do we read, no one can see my face and live here? Yet we've spent the entire morning talking about God's face shining on us and turning towards us. He's clearly lifting up towards his face, towards us. God shines on us, and I'm thinking, is there a discrepancy in Scripture? Well, something actually happens between Exodus 33 and Numbers 6. Something happens to bring about a radical shift. Any idea what that might be, that something? It's atonement. 
God's means by which a sinful people can come into relationship with a holy God. I once heard it said that the Bible can be summarized in three sentences. The holiness of God, the sinfulness of mankind, and atonement. The means by which a holy God can come into relationship with a sinful people. Between Moses' encounter with God in the cleft of the rock and Exodus, and then our benediction in Numbers, we actually find another book, right? There's Exodus, and then there's Leviticus, and then there's Numbers. That book of Leviticus, do you know what the book of Leviticus is all about? Atonement. Yeah, atonement. The means by which a holy God can be in relationship with a sinful people. That's the incredible gift atonement is for us and why we get to see God face to face. The gift of experiencing his presence and his power and his pleasure is all because of a blood sacrifice. In fact, the verses just preceding the benediction in number six is all about blood atonement. It's all about sin sacrifices that were brought. In fact, it's repeated three times. So yes, friends, because of the gift of God's atoning sacrifice, we have access to God. His face shines upon us. His face smiles on us. And in the New Testament, in John 3, verse 16, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. He gave his son as a final atonement for you and I. And that, my friends, is the ultimate display of God's favor, that he would give us his one and only beloved son, that through him we might not perish, but live with him forever. And I just want to stop here for a moment and say, if you have never experienced and received Jesus as your final blood atonement, you will not see God face one day. It is a promise that only through Jesus do we get to see God face to face one day. As 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 promises, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It is through the person of Jesus, the face of Christ, that God turns towards us. His posture is completely turned towards us in a permanent way. For we know that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He turns his face towards each one of us. He smiles. He calls us his beloved, his treasured possession, his very own. Let's pray. Lord, what a radical message that you sent your son Jesus because you loved us so much that you wanted us to see your face, that you wanted us to be in your presence forever and ever. Thank you for that gift of Jesus and thank you for the gift that we are blessed and kept and God's favor is upon us. God's power is upon us. We get to experience your presence and your pleasure because of atonement, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. May we never, never 
take that for granted, to know that we are your beloved. In Jesus' name, amen.